But so I don't know, I'm more afraid of, of not doing than afraid of failure. Failure is okay, but not doing it, that's like the fe- that's like the biggest fear is like regret, right? And then I just go like, oh, what's the worst that could happen? Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Richard Listens Podcast. Thank you for joining me, Richard Olberg, clinical psychologist. It's an honor to be here today and to keep bringing you amazing and surprising guests who come into my life from the amazing people I know and from all the interwebs and from all the social media channels. And because all of you, my listeners, represent the most amazing human beings in the world with such a wide array of topics and interests. So today we stay on the theme of acting, directing, and I bring to you Mr. Jaime Zavallos. Born in Lima, Peru, Jaime moved to New York at the age of three and grew up in both Queens and Great Neck prior to moving to Los Angeles. His artistic side was evident from an early age and he spent his teenage years as an infamous street artist. He started his acting career in New York while studying acting at HB Studio and Film at CW Post Long Island University and got his first break in Spike Lee's Summer of Sam. While on vacation in Los Angeles, Jaime auditioned for Michael Eisner and ended up booking a series regular role on a show, Sam Has Seven Friends. Needless to say, Jaime's vacation turned into an official relocation and he's continued to book roles in films and various television shows, including House MD, Leverage, Southland, Sons of Iron, Anarchy, American Horror Story, The Bridge, and Animal Kingdom, and most notably, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. Jaime also wrote, directed, and started Me, You, and Five Bucks, which had a limited theatrical run and won numerous film festival awards. He worked on the stage and has been featured in the LA Times, including his roles at the Sacred Fools Theater Company, the Actors Playpen, and Casa 0101, run by Josefina Lopez. Jaime was named one of the most 25 influential Latinos in Los Angeles by Latino Leaders Magazine. He spends his time between New York and Los Angeles, and his Instagram is Jaime Zavallos with two L's. Without further ado, we'll be introducing and getting to know our guest of the day. Again, if you or someone you know needs help or healing, please reach out and help let us help you direct them and get the care you need. I hope you all are pursuing excellence in your passions in your life. And I look forward to bringing this show to you. Jaime Zavalos, thank you for joining us and making time and all your travels to be here today. Thank you for pronouncing my name right. <laughs> you, I even spelled out your Instagram with two L's for everyone. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, it's weird, man. Like, yeah, I get Jamie every day, but it's okay. Well, you're from Long Island, so, you know, I bet you could stop correcting people for a while, right? I did. You know, it's funny, though, in Long Island, I didn't get a lot of, uh, I got a lot of Jaime. I think people knew. Because there's Puerto Rican influence, right? They understand the the Latin. I I think so, but I was, I I used in, I used more growing up, I used my, my alias, James. Ah. Ah, so you were Irish Catholic. Yeah, yeah. No, I went to Catholic school. <laughs> oh, you fit right in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went to Catholic school till like I was like seventh grade. And my teacher, she said, there was three Jaimes in our class. And she says, I can't do this. It was so confusing. And she said, it's a what big choice, you? right? What did yeah. you do? Yeah, she, she said, can somebody take the English version of your name? And I said, I'll do it. I just raised my hand. And she, she said, from now on, you're, high, you're, you're James till this end of the semester. And then when I transferred schools, that kind of kept going. And I just wrote out James till I was probably like, man, I want to say like late 20s. And so was it like a, a reclaiming thing in your professional career? Or? I had a manager that said, I was working. I was working in my 20s. I, I worked a decent amount, but m- my last name, he said, if you use Jaime and you own it, you'll you'll like really he goes i could you'll really start working in television and the fact that maybe it's like a placebo effect the fact that he said that um 
it made sense. So I changed my name. I went back to Hyman. Yeah, I started working TV right away. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that it's not always been, there's not always, I don't even know what the numbers are today, if you know better than I do, but you know, there's not always been equal representation in film and TV. So that's no, a no, special choice. No, especially when I was like starting out, I have like a, I have some family that's German. So, you know, I'm like a six foot two Peruvian. That's the old, that's like the gene pool of the German side of my dad. And so we have a lot of people that have uh, the Zavalos dash Pittman. So I thought James Pittman sounds like a freaking movie star. And I was like, that's my name. And I almost did James Pittman, but I went to my, my birth name. You know, and I, I just, I didn't think it was necessary. Yeah. I, I think one of my favorite actors growing up was Raul Julia. And I kind of was like, well, you know, that's okay. We can keep it. That's kind of cool. That moment of like inner permission of like, I can be who I am and I'm and, and, and it took a long time. And some people yesterday, someone, I, I just had Reiki done yesterday <laughs> And the Reiki healer, she called me, she kept calling me Jamie. And I was like, that's okay. Like, it's no, there's no value. It's so funny you mentioned it. Cause I remember like I was rich and Richard Kim got Richard. And I was like, you know, it's always like a thing. Like, <laughs> you know, there's a lot in the name though. There is, this is, you know, I know we're going to come full circle and talk about spirituality and the documentary you're working on, but like, you know, the name is supposedly your essence. And depending on the culture and the tradition, the the name is given to you, you know, by a uh, godfather or by the priest or by the rabbi. And, and it has spiritual meaning to the community or how tied it is to the folklore or mysticism. Yeah, I was just like, James felt really like I used it for, you know, my, my friends in New York call me Jimmy. I have a lot of friends that call me Jimmy to this day. Um but I think, you know, kind of like, it's weird. It's backwards. In in Hollywood, I use my real name. And in the, in the with my friends in the street, they call me Jimmy or James. So it's kind of weird. I kind of have it backwards. <laughs> but I don't know. I thought Stott Hyman was like, it's my dad's name too. And I just thought it's like, a, it's, it's a strong name, I thought. So I was like, well, we'll just keep going with that. I love that. The connection to the father. That's very profound. That's a lot of what we... We do in our men's work, right? Connection to your father and to your grandfather and seeing that in everything you do in their essence. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. So, and you just got to go home to, to where you were born. You got to I go was home born in, Peru. Yeah. Yeah. I was born in Peru and I went to Miami when I was like two and a half, maybe. And then we moved to New York and yeah, and then now my parents are back in Miami, so that their life went full circle with that. Yeah. So, how much has family culture, the roots? How much has it influenced you as an actor and now filmmaker? Um, man, I think a lot, a lot, because I don't come from any connections of of uh, the industry. I don't come from a background of. You know, I have come from working class parents and, you know, we work really hard to, to make sure we always like lived in nice areas and had a nice house and had nice things. But yeah, they're immigrants, man. So am I. But I think moving to Hollywood um, and starting out when I was like, I, I started when I was young. I started when I was like 19, 20 years old. I just kind of got in. I, I felt that I fell into it. If you want to know how I got into acting, this is, that's uh, I, I, I can answer that. But how, yeah. but how it plays a part in me, in my culture with being an actor is I think the acting, the art, the, the craft of acting. I think it's, it's that's another conversation, but I think the business of acting is so difficult. Um, but when you don't really like have much, um, and you, 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 your parents come to this country so they can quote unquote, have the American dream for me not to pursue my dreams would be kind of like an insult to them. 
you know, and I had to explain that to them one time. And I was like, why did you guys come here for me to just like not fulfill my, my dreams? I would be lame. And so I will say from my graduating class and my friends that were into acting and filmmaking, I would say about 5% stayed in the game. And I think some of my friends having come from a lot of money and, and, and wealthy parents, you know, they just, they were uncomfortable and it's very uncomfortable, this industry. And so I think that part of, you know, that hard work that my parents ingrained in me kind of stayed with me for this industry. It's, it, I think it built me for this industry. Right. Like the, the constant rejection or the constantly having to put yourself out there and, get feedback it's constant yeah, i don't even see it as rejection i'm like okay let's just keep it moving but yeah i think it's silly you know what i mean like like i have a lot of friends that face difficulties where i i, I didn't see those as difficulties i just was like that's just part of this industry i guess i'm not uh, in a nutshell i'll say this one day because my, my my father went through way more struggle than i have ever in this world and one day I was, I was in Los Angeles at the time. I was like 24, let's say. I was crying because I, I, I hadn't booked anything in a while. I needed to get a new waiter job. And my dad says, he says, do you have food in, in, in your belly? I said, yeah. And he goes, do you have a roof over your head? I said, yeah. And he goes, so stop whining. And then just keep, keep going. So I didn't have the, I don't have the type of parents that are, they're not insensitive. They're just kind of tough love parents. And that has a lot to do with like, okay, man, get back on the horse, get back on the horse mentality and just keep working. Right. So some built in resilience. Yeah. And I could have been, you know, doing construction work, which I have for my dad, but like, you know, I look at like my people that are successful and then you, cause you compared, I think in life, it's really good to compare to the best of things and also like the worst of things. And, and now I'm seeing more Latinos getting a lot of success here in Hollywood. But then I just walk down the block and I see, you know, six illegal aliens. Uh, I don't even know if that's a correct term, but, you know, they're waiting to get picked up for work. And yesterday it was raining. I was in Orange County and there was a guy selling watermelons. And I felt so bad because it was raining and no one was stopping to buy his watermelons. So I was like, man, I'm just going to go and buy some watermelons from him because no one's buying from him. And I thought to myself, well, I could easily like, you know, this could be my cousin or something if he had migrated to this country like this. Wow. So it keeps you in simple gratitude and connection. Yeah. Yeah. Something for you. I have a neighbor who uh, he's. I think he's might be partially schizophrenic and he always waves to me on, on the Sabbath and he saw me at, he sits by the bus stop and I don't think his family's ever gotten him diagnosed or help, but he's, you know, he's in his late fifties or sixties now and he saw me and he begged me to buy me a soda. <laughs> and, you know, I, I didn't need a soda, but I thanked him. And Saturday night we were on our way to to do some, <laughs> some spiritual connections late Saturday night. I was trying to get out of my head and open up the community and open up my heart and let go of everything I was focusing on. And I stopped and somebody asked me to pick them up, a cappuccino in the 7-Eleven. And sure enough, I walk in and there he is waiting to buy me the soda. <laughs> so I thought it was really funny about like, you know, who's who's giving to who, right? Like by him buying me the soda, you know, it had he gave me such a gift by allowing him to give to me. Um, you know, or by noticing that interaction, you know, and he told me at the register, he said, because you're my bit my kindest neighbor. And it's like oh, that's a nice. simple human uh, interaction of like, yeah, what is it all right? Like Dave Matthews says, in the end, it all piles up. So tall to one big, nothing, nothing at all. Right. So if, you know, the connection, the, the interaction is where it's, it's, it is where creativity happens. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Yeah, so which leads us to you being on vacation and meeting Michael Eisner. Is that where you got the start, or is it before that? No, no, that, oh, that bio, that no, I think someone wrote that in my bio I sent you. <laughs> that was kind of interesting. That was when I first moved to California, um, right after college. 
uh, I went to CW Post uh, for my BFA in film, and I had kind of gone back out there into the world in Manhattan, and I, I kind of got back out into and looking for agents and managers. And one day, oh, this is a Woody Allen story. I love Woody Allen. That story. leads me. That leads me to Michael Eisner. So I'm, I'm bartending at a restaurant called the Burton Lounge. It was on the Upper West Side. And I was for anyone that's worked in restaurants, I was working a double shift. So I'm working a double. I was bartending there. I think it was like two weeks of doubles. And I was just tired. And back then I smoked cigarettes. So during my break, I look up at the sky. And because I, I either was going to get my MFA I wanted to go get an MFA at like at a conservatory, like a prestigious, like Yale or Carnegie Mellon. Or I said, I'm just going to do something and just go to LA with whatever money I have. And I need a sign. So I'm smoking a cigarette and I said, God, show me a sign of what to do. And as I'm like exhaling the smoke, it was like a movie. I pan down and Woody Allen walks right by me with two groceries bags. He's wearing like a fisherman's hat. So you could barely see him. And he just goes, hi. And he just was like walking. He walked, he said, hi. And that was like, that was it. That was my last day there. I, I quit. I said that I know what to do. And I, I, I got on, an, a, I bought a one-way ticket to California. And so what was, what did you, what, what was the inspiration? The sign was just seeing a director? The sign was seeing Woody Allen as I was thinking about it, what to do. And I said, because I either I'm going to go get an MFA program, which is probably, you know, maybe I should have, but I just said, I think if I go to California, it was like winter time. It was just, I wasn't feeling it. And I, I left for LA and I just bought a one-way ticket and I'm crashing on my buddy's floor who I went to film school with. And he had another roommate. So there was no other space other than the floor. So I said, okay, I'll rent your floor from you. But I'm only staying for like, in my head, like three weeks. And on a Sunday, we had a, it was, um, I think it was like a Sunday. We went out to some bar in Santa Monica. And back then I used to drink a lot. And it was like a reunion of college friends. So you can imagine, you know, I'm partying like a rock star. And my friend calls me and he says, hey, you, there's this audition. I think you should crash it. Now you could do this back then. Now you can't do stuff like this. But I crashed the audition, totally cold, and I got the script right there. And the and I knew I didn't know what I was doing, but I went right in the room, and I played this character called Chivo Gonzalez. And I remember the the first line in the script that said Chivo's had a rough night, and I remember I just connected to that, and I just went for it. And then I um. I was getting ready to go back to New York and I didn't have an agent, but I'd given them my email and they emailed me uh, that I got the part. Wow. That was crazy. Yeah. Unpre un uh, uh, unprepared, hungover, and I think I was late. But what's meant for you is meant for you. And that was it. And I stayed. And it, it was a really great experience. It was five months of, of work and that was my... Uh, my new chapter in my 20s. Wow. So what did that show you about jumping in? I think it just shows you like, um, you know, I was talking to someone, I just joined the gym like three months ago. And someone said to me like, well, a bad day at the gym is still better than not going to the gym. And I just feel like jumping in, like I just had to do it. But at that time I was so young and, and naive that I felt like, oh yeah, I could just crash this audition. <laughs> And just go. Yeah, um, in some degree, not having inhibition is really good for you. Probably the the older version of yourself. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I tried to do. I, I tried to still live like that a little bit um, because I, I I think I wasn't having success after college in New York because I, I I come from more of like a not street, but I was more you know I was the type of guy I went to like seven high schools. I was all over the place. And I wasn't much of an academic, but then when I got a degree in film and film history and 
I got a second degree in theater. I was too academic. And I felt like a, very smart for the first time in my life. And I, just, I was just trying to, I was trying to run in my industry almost like an, like an academic. And it wasn't working for me. So I was glad I made that decision just to go to LA. Right on. Yeah. And never turned back since. No, I went back to New Well, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did go back to New York many years later. I went back and I, I was just, so now I'm back in LA. This is my second time in LA. Right on. So are you still open for acting roles or is, is are you trying to really build a director portion or is this just uh, come to you as an opportunity? Well, well, I just booked a movie. Actually, I just found out today. I just booked a movie. I start shooting in like two weeks. Actually, you may dig it because it's it's a it's a spiritual movie. Excellent. It's, it's written from uh, the Old Testament. It's about it's a, on the Jewish faith. It's a it's it's about the um, I didn't even know about this. The story about L- Lilith. And I like don't know so many- much about the the literal characters because. My practice is more about the the hidden meaning and behind the names and behind the stories. Um, but tell me more about it. So it's based on her character. It's based on her character, yeah, and and a psych ward in Los Angeles. And I'm really excited because I get to shoot a movie in LA. I haven't shot a movie in LA. I haven't 15 years because nothing movies really don't shoot in LA. Right, so, they went through all the getting permits and going to Canada. Yeah, I've shot in Canada. I've booked out of LA. Uh, I've flown to LA just to book, just to shoot at another state. So I'm really excited to be shooting in Los Angeles for once. So that's cool because you've been playing around in the spiritual field and you you would live a spiritual life. Yeah, so I don't know how that role, I mean, I auditioned for it, but I didn't know to the extent of what it was about. So... It's, I thought it was like a Christian movie, but they, they said, no, it's more like of a, a Jewish faith-based movie mixed in with a horror. So I was like, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it, 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 there, there, it's a job. <laughs> I'll take it. Well, it's a good question, though. Do you have to ever check yourself? Like, does this violate my, my spiritual beliefs or practices? Or am I willing to go with it until a certain line? Um, yeah. No, I- how do you balance it? No, I think for me, I mean, there's definitely things where, you know, I had just met with, I'm looking for a new agency right now. And um, I have a good manager. I have a good team behind me, but I had parted ways with my old agency and I met with a new agent and it didn't go well. It was, I knew the vibe. I, I just said, this meeting's not going to go well for both of us. There was something in the meeting that I said that I felt like that someone they didn't like it. And, you know, I was very honest with them. And they said, is there anything you don't want to play? And I said, yes, I do not want to play um, really. I just for now, I don't want to play homosexual men. Because there's too many gay Latino actors in L.A. Why do I have to culture vulture that? And, you know. And that was the beginning of the conversation. I felt like it was kind of weird. Like they were like, oh, we get it. But I think they looked at me sideways when I said that. Because I'd said, I like said, look, during before the pandemic, I played like two gay main roles in movies. And after that, doing that, I even felt guilty doing it then. It wasn't about being uncomfortable with like the, you know, you know, with any my sexuality. It was just I didn't want to culture vulture them. And, you know, so I think for now, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, so, yeah. So you you do those things, you just, you have your lines that come up or come to you and you stick by them or, or have they changed over time? No, they, I think they change over time. I mean, you know, you, you know, you go through a period as an act, as an actor, you, you know, the good thing about our industry, it's feast or famine. So you, you, you do really well financially and then you're freaking out because, you know, you're not on top of the world. If you're on a job for six months to a year, you know, you have this YOLO, you know, uh, I don't know your audience age, but you only live once mentality. And then when it's done, you're like, oh my God, I need to work again. 
So during that YOLO time, when I'm working all the time, I turn down a lot of work because I don't need it. <laughs> right. And then sometimes you're like, I'll just take it because I need a job. It's a gig. That's right. So talk to us about uh, the documentary you're making, how this found you, how this ties into your overall journey as a man, as an actor, um, and as a filmmaker. Well, yeah, I'll give a little bit of background on me really quickly so it'll tie into this. Um, Please. So I was I was what what they called in like the 90s, like late 90s, mid to late 90s. A graf- I was a graffiti artist, right? And so I got really infamous for it. And I started getting so, I, you know, it was the type of guy that I ran with my guy, my, my friends and we do graffiti all over the trains. And You're the second guest in a row that, that uh, had this specialty. So I hope I don't create competition. No, no, no. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it went from like doing it for fun to doing like, oh man, I'm, I'm really learning like the color spectrums here. This is crazy how I started like, got I got really good at it. And then I started like airbrushing people and like people's faces. And I, I do think you, you do have God-given gifts. And I do think that's one of those talents that I have, that it was just like easy. And then um, I started actually like really liking art, um, sculpting, and, and, and it went beyond graffiti. But I was kind of lost. And so when I got hired to do a mural for a play, I thought, man, that looks like fun. I can do that for a living. And I got an agent the next day. And that's how quick my journey is. And I started working right away. I got a job on MTV for like uh, 30 episodes. I was on a job. I was on a, I was on an improv show called I Spy Video in the late 90s. So you got it as an actor or as an artist? As an actor. Because I said, you know, I, I said this could be really fun. And I told my mom, I said, mom, I want to be an actor. And she goes, oh, that's great. You found something you, you want to do. And, you know, smoking weed and doing graffiti at night wasn't probably going to last. I wasn't going to last that long doing that. And so when I kind of got into acting, it was like beginner's luck. I I worked on a Spike Lee movie. I worked on a bunch of indies. And then because I wasn't a good high school student, I was the worst high school student, man. I would cut six months at a time. Like my friends that used to cut, you were like, dude, you're on a whole nother level. <laughs> I used to impersonate my father when they would call. Yeah, I was sick for six months at Bayside High. I would, <laughs> I impersonated my dad for six months, I think. <laughs> and, but it was weird. It was like I was cutting school, but then I was always going to like the museum and I was like trying to get my own culture in the city. And to make up in my own way, to make up for the fact that I didn't rarely step foot into high school, I said, man, I need some kind of, I, I need some knowledge of what I'm doing, not just as an actor, but as a director as well. And so after I got my degree in theater, I went to film school just because I wanted to learn. I wanted to absorb everything. So if I wasn't an actor, I'd probably be into film history or be a professor of some sort. And I would just read books on, in the library and just like, I became a total film nerd forever. Mm. I still am. But at that time I said, when I graduated, I said, well, I'm still too young. Like I want to be in front of the camera for a while. And I, and it's funny. I said, well, when I'm in my forties, man, it will be really, this is, I said, it's just, it's funny how prophecies we can, or we can manifest things. I said, it would be really cool to really start directing again in my 40s. So when I graduated with a degree in film, I went back into acting. And now that I'm in my 40s, I'm now directing again. And balancing into acting. So um, so it's all flowing together. It's flowing together. Yeah, yeah. I did a feature. Um, I did a full-length feature. We sold to Lionsgate. Call me you in five bucks, and that came out like 2016. Um, more of a festival piece. Started producing films, and then um, yeah, it, it it kind of just you know kept going. And then during the pandemic, this came to me during the pandemic. This documentary, um, because there was a pilot that I was supposed to shoot as a director and actor in LA during the pandemic, 
And when that shut down, I got so depressed. But again, and you, you really can't feel that depressed because the world shut down. And we were living in a, in a pretty small space in the Upper West Side and, and you, we we're back in New York. And I just said, man, I got to do something. So I said, what could I do to give back to my fellow actors? Yeah, I mean, it's still depressing, right? Because we shut down. We couldn't go to do the things that we did that were outlets or creativity. And there was constant messages of fear. So, yeah, it's still depressing. <laughs> no, totally. But hey, but we were, we, were, we were almost on the verge of getting this, uh, like, network and all that stuff. We were almost there. So then to lose everything, that one really took a toll on me. And I was just, but instead of being depressed about it, I really scratched my head for like months. And I was like, what can I do? So I called SAG, my, my union, um, the Screen Actors Guild. And I said, what could I shoot with SAG actors? And they said, nothing. You can't, we're in a pandemic, you're not allowed to shoot. And the lady said on the phone, she said, unless you just wanted to do a documentary. Mm. That was like, bing, 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 bing. So, of course, I call my friends. Nobody's working because no one can work and we're shut down. But I said, listen, I can I can hire them, but I, I want to interview actors and ask them how they got to their level of success and how they were able to sell their projects. So I, I, I called like Taryn Manning, my old acting professor, Austin Pendleton, and we just started interviewing everyone. And before I knew it, I'm making a documentary and I'd never done a documentary. I'm only making narrative films. So I think, I don't know where I'm going with this documentary. I'll just keep filming and filming. And then around, um, I want to say March, March or June, Mar March or April of, um, 2021. Um, I submitted to a festival in Los Angeles that I didn't even attend. It's called the Michaud film festival based on the first African-American filmmaker, Oscar Michaud. Wow. And that, was, and that was their first year. And this was, now it's really successful. And Harpo Films, which is Oprah's company, is behind it. So I submitted the documentary. All my friends went. I'm in New York. You know, I, I really wasn't traveling because of COVID. And anyway, I didn't think I would win. I didn't think anything. I didn't even think it would get in. And then my friends called me and they said, hey, guess what? You won best director for full length documentary. Wow. I said, no way. Sorry if I'm cursing. I don't mean to curse. <laughs> I could not believe it, man, that I that I won. I was floored. I was completely floored. So I just kept submitting to more festivals. And it kept winning and winning and winning. And I go, okay, this is crazy. I just shot this without any intention to shoot this thing. And was just kind of interviewing people. But people thought it was entertaining. So a friend of mine had seen this and his father-in-law uh, runs this nonprofit organization for, I guess, interfaith dialogue. And he thought I would be the best person to do the documentary um, teaching people about Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. <laughs> I was like, damn, this guy's out of his mind. I'm not the right guy for this one. That's exactly what makes you the right guy. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I prayed about it and I kept saying no. I kept saying no, I don't want to do this thing. <laughs> and it's not even like the money thing because there's not, I mean, they gave me a like per diem or stipend and I was like, I, I really don't think so. But after a few months of saying no, or six months, I think it was like six months of no in my head, I had a, I had a, feeling that if someone else did it, they wouldn't bring what I could bring to the table. And that automatically made me have some fear, like, you know, the FOMO, fear of missing out. And I said, I don't want to miss out on this. And I think because I'm not the right person, I am the right person. Mm. And so I start, we started shooting this documentary. It's called In the Name Of, which you're also part of, uh, plug. Thank and, you. And we're basically, we've been interviewing people's stories about their faith and how they incorporate their faith into their everyday lives. And there's no, um, 
there's in, in Islam, there's a word called, there's an Arabic word called dawah, right? When you're giving dawah, where you're basically showing people the Quran to convert them. And, you know, very similar to like Bible thumping, I guess you could say. Um, but I was very animate about the fact that I was like, it's not about giving dawah, this documentary. And I said, if that's the case, then I'm okay with that. It's not because I don't want anyone else, right? to practice Islam, because if, if it's for me, it's for me, but whatever religion's for you is for you. But I just wanted to have a, a like a journalistic approach to this. Even if it's my faith or not my faith, I wanted to have a, a really open point of view on this thing. And it's not about converting people. It's just about saying, hey, like, you know, this is, we, we believe in, in our spirituality and this is how it, it brings value to our lives. And I, I think when, you know, we were interviewing younger people um, before we started shooting, I, I just thought everyone's such a, I don't know, maybe in, maybe in my circle or people I was meeting, there's like kids, especially younger people, they can be skeptics on this stuff. Um, and the, sure. even the idea of believing in God's kind of like, huh? Like you, like that's we're in the of, age of mistrust and like, you know, we want everything at our fingertips and faster. Yeah, this idea of something else external that, um, yeah, I don't think we like surrendering that level of power or personal control. It's probably really terrifying. And we have all these examples of how religion has been painful or harmful or hurt people. Um, so... And, and it has, and the documentary doesn't shy away from that. Like we are going to show the negative stuff about religion that, that, you know, when not practiced correctly or, or practice in an extreme or, or radicalized way, how it can put the blinders on you. And I think we are, we started today the edit. So I'm very excited to see what, what will happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like my documentary on social media and, 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 and acting, which is called Content is King, we're, we're now in the sales process of that one. Um, I, I, again, I just jumped into this because I said yes, because I think it would be, it would be um, for me, it was like a spiritual journey to do this documentary. Um, and there was no hidden agenda or, or, my intention was really pure, which is just to see people's point of view and, and how their religion uplifts them and uplifts their community. Um, but outside of that, you know, I, I think um, you have to keep growing as, a, as an artist and as a person. And, and I think the more involved I am as a person, I'm a better actor for it, better writer, better director. And and opening up yourself. Like I did Reiki yesterday, I think for the second time. I did it like 15 years ago, but uh, my wife and I did Reiki yesterday and it was amazing. And Right, because opening up the body, opening up the channels, opening up to more, right? If you become typecast or you can only do certain roles because you are not open to being vulnerable or taking on different vantage points, you're limited as a human being. If you're limited as a human being, then it's going to carry over to whatever profession you're in, but especially an actor. Yeah. I mean, as an actor, it's, it's interesting. I, I was, I'm not going to spill the beans, but I was, uh, I was auditioning at a major network. One of the biggest networks out there that I've, I think, I, yeah, I've worked for them since, but I'm auditioning. And this kind of made me feel horrible as a human, as an actor, as a person, as a Latino, I was auditioning at NBC and I got lost. I got lost in the corridor somewhere. I went to the wrong, I even went to the wrong floor, but I went into the writer's room and there was no one there. And I was already late to my audition. So I, I wanted to peek inside the writer's room. So I went in, no one was there. And there was a big, you know, like a white board or whatever. All the ideas. All ideas or whatever. And there was a picture of a man that looked like me with tattoos and his hair shaved. And there was a sign that said next to it, it said, this is what a criminal looks like. And I go, man, 
I don't want to play into this. I felt horrible. I, I, I think the audition was, I, I tanked it. I just, it really affected me emotionally. Because you're like, man, this is, well, if I shaved my hair, this is probably what I would look like right now. Mm. I don't want to be playing these roles. And I was playing those for a while to, to pay the bills. And so I, that's when I was just like, send me out on everything. So when I auditioned, I auditioned for a lot with, for everything. You know, I just played a guy named Richard Holstein in a movie. I don't, I don't care. They just booked me for it. I was like, all right, cool. That's a little close to my name. <laughs> it's Richard, Richard Holstein. It's called My Beautiful Bride. Yeah, it came out like last year. Well, but, you know, it, 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 had I not seen that, you know, I, I think I wouldn't have auditioned for that. For that. Now I just kind of want to like, I think almost like theater, you know, there's more blind casting in theater. Um and I think Hollywood and especially TV is starting to change a little bit. Um, it's going the other extreme, which is now my friends that are Anglo are like, dude, there's no work for me. And it's just like, it's going the other way. It's, go, it's going, a lot of my Anglo friends are like, hey, I'm only auditioning for supporting roles or this role. And I don't know how to feel about it. I feel like it's crummy either way. Right. You know? But I, I, I remember my friends also taking acting roles and auditioning, not taking them from me, but I remember a lot of my friends that were Anglo shooting national commercials, making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, playing Latinos on TV, non like, you know, like culture vulturing Latinos on TV. Yeah. Yeah. So, so right. So is it get triggers like, am I responsible for this? Or yeah, it's, it's an interesting position to be in because of the industry so steeped in, uh, you know, heteronormative and and having ableists, right? Having uh, physically able play disabled characters and. Um, having white play Latino characters, uh, right? You would know better the probably the the history, but it feels like a pendulum kind of swung the last few years. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, and I also have those friends that are like, you know, like almost have that like like guilt, and it shouldn't be the. I don't know. I, I, it, this is where it gets tricky for me and a lot of actor friends because we're like. Well, I understand we don't want a culture vulture, but then it's acting. It's playing make-believe. Like, where do you draw the line of, like, you know, the, of these things? Right. So I don't, I don't know. I know, I know James Franco's working on a, uh, on the new, is it Pablo Escobar? No, it's, it's, he's playing Fidel Castro in a movie. Wow. And he's shooting in Colombia. And I, I know James, and I was like, man, I really wish him the best, man. I really... I know he got me tuned for a little while or canceled or something. But his first movie out, he's going to be playing Fidel Castro. My only goal is that he kills it. I mean, if he does a great job, he, people give him a pass. But even then, if, but if he doesn't, man, I don't think that's a good move for him. But Well, look, change is, is scary. And, you know, I feel like, right, everyone's having to re-question whatever they thought was easy or whatever should come to them. Uh, and maybe, you know, now you have to adapt, right? Yeah. Um, and those who are angry or blaming or holding on to the way things were, um, they may not adapt or they may not see the opportunities like you're taking by just jumping in or trying different skill sets or working with different partners. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm a big fan of like, you know, uh, of basketball in general, I played basketball, and I was that, that must have been amazing. <laughs> go ahead, but Spike Lee, but go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then that was a whole other. He he's actually the reason I went to film school, but that's another. He yelled at me, <laughs> but I I think the word of of for me as an artist has always been pivot, man, and just pivot all the time because you don't want to get stuck in a certain rhythm all the time and. You know, you, you can't grow in that in that space. But so I don't know. I'm more afraid of, of not doing than afraid of failure. 
failure is okay, but not doing it. That's like the feet. That's like the biggest fear is like regret. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I just go like, Oh, what's the worst that could happen? Like the movie bombs. I don't do a good job. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's, it's not the, you know, Right. When you have that mentality, there is no worst thing that can happen, right? There is. It's not like open heart surgery. Like, you know, that's, thank God I don't do that. So, you know, I I think for me, I mean, but it goes in every profession. I know a lot of actors that are very heady and I don't hang out with a lot of heady actors. Heady actors are the, we call them in our industry, actors that just all day talk about acting get, you know, almost very um, cerebral about about mm-hmm. acting and performing than the performing part of it. So I always, I always thought with, with art, you can't really talk about it too much, like your process or anything like that. I think it's, it's, it's kind of strange. Yeah. So I want to stay like in this, as a student, you know. You want to stay in the flow. Yeah, and now that I'm now that I'm in my forties, I had like an epiphany that I I really miss painting. I miss doing street art, and I just goes like, oh, I'll just kind of like so I'm looking to rent the studio to start painting again. Well, well, I'll do a matchmaking with you and one of my last guests, <laughs> but it's beautiful, right? Because that part of you that was an artist was beautiful, maybe the thing prompting you towards creativity, like, but. Right, the way in which we're executing it maybe isn't gonna, is going to lead towards, you know, wasn't going to lead you towards a career or what you thought would be a career. Right. And yet now, when you have kind of a career, that desire for creativity is still there. It's important. It's essential for our mental health and feeling feeling emotionally free within ourselves. Right. Yeah, and there's there's people that 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 you know specifically like in the graffiti world that stayed doing it and you know not all of them but the ones that stayed in it are are very successful i mean it's successful in the terms of like they're you know that i consider them successful they're multi-millionaires they make a living off their art they travel the world it's great they're like right. rock stars well, who knows maybe that'll be your next uh, project or maybe it'll be a film or a role where you're you are an artist like it's all connected right I, I I I don't know, but I just know. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna try it again. I just really miss drawing, and, and I'm gonna keep. I'm looking for a loft space to rent in, in downtown LA or something. I love it. Yeah, keep, I keep love it. it. Well, well, let me know when you come out and see it, and we can feature it. Isn't the uh, the one of the lead actresses on Ted Lasso? Isn't she like an opera singer or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's I think you could you I think you being involved in more than one art will always make you a better actor or the better version of whatever art you're doing. I, I don't know. I I, I I couldn't imagine just acting. I would find my life really boring. Yeah. Because it's, with acting, it's like if you do a play, which I love theater, you know, you do a run, let's say it's four to six months. Okay, you look for another play and you look for another movie. But every good actor, I think that I know, really has an has a life outside of acting. So I remember my acting coaches when I was really young. They used to say, "If you want to be a good artist, have a life." Right. My acting coach, who like trains, like at the time he was working with um, Will Smith on on a movie. I remember, and he said, "Jaime, why don't you join a um, uh, like a ping pong league?" I said, ping pong? He goes, dude, you need something outside of acting completely, man, to, to, to get you out of it. Yeah. yeah, talk about basketball. Like, that's why it's like I met people from all over the world. You know, it's like this universal language of, uh, right, like getting out of yourself. And there's different styles and there's different, you know, ways of playing. Um, so it's good to have that thing. And basketball led me to martial arts. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Basketball, you know, base. I wanted to be a baseball player. That's always, for, I wanted to be a, a pitcher for the Yankees. That was my goal earlier in life. I skateboard. I still skateboard, my God, as an old man. <laughs> still skate once in a while. 
Well, listen, I'm excited to see the documentary, but um, I know we, our listeners, speaking of attention spans, um, uh, we got to wrap up for them, but Amen. let them know how to reach you, how to look out for you, how to maybe get a hold of me. You and five yeah, you could, just send, you could just send me a DM on uh, Jaime Zavalos, uh, Instagram dash, Instagram slash Jaime Zavalos. I'm the one with the blue check mark. Verified, baby. I'm ver- I've been very, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny. You know who hit me up today is Gary V. And I'm like so nervous to talk to him. <laughs> Why? He, you want he, me to represent you? <laughs> well, he hit me up the other day, like, hey, what's going on? And I was like, not much. And and like we've been having this dialogue, like, and he sent me a video, like a video DM. And it's it it's wild. I'm like scared to open it because I'm nervous around him. Wow, that'd be great. I want in, man. Let's just go and talk Jets and sports talk with Gary V. I'll be your buddy. All right. Yeah, no, it's 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 a weird, it's a weird <laughs> I geek amazing. out over I geek out over people you wouldn't think. So it's just like that's that's what it is. Well, that's good. It means that they have something that you desire to to be like that, that you know, and you have that quality within you. Otherwise, it wouldn't it wouldn't hit you so strong. Yeah, yeah, that's good, man. Yeah. Well, th- thanks for having me, man. Thank you, brother, and uh, look forward to our interaction. Looking forward to seeing that movie, Me, You, and Five Bucks. Want to see how you got your directorial star, and uh, for seeing this. Uh, what's the title of the documentary when it comes out? It's called In the Name Of. In the Name Of. Thank you so much. And thank you for including me and uh, sharing all your gifts and your journey and for being willing to be authentic and follow your heart and your name and own your authenticity. Thank you. I'm grateful to you. Well, thank you again for all of you tuning in and your patience and for the gratitude of his time and energy for Jaime Zavallos. Thank you for those of you putting up with me and my dilated squinty eyes and uh, for tuning in and supporting and always being there for others in your lives and suggesting these wonderful guests to me to create community of learning, of warmth, of education, of opportunity, of healing and change. I'm Richard Lessons and I'm out.